The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are a week away from the first uh, preseason game for the for most NHL teams. Uh, rookie tournaments started on Friday. Uh, lots of excitement from the local squad, from other teams. This, I, probably more than any time of the year, is when hope springs eternal for 32 NHL teams. Well, 31 anyway. There's always one that knows they're going to finish dead last. I don't think any team ever actually concedes that they're going to finish dead last. Even the ones who try really hard, like Chicago last year. I was thinking more along the lines of Arizona, but then again, I suppose you have to have a home to play in first. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Well, probably in a few minutes, given who we are. Uh, Uh, The Coyotes are definitely on the boards for today. Um, I'm just glad that we're actually going to get a normal training camp a little I, bit late, but I, ha- I have to be honest. And, and yes, we live, we live here in the Boston market and I was watching something on Nesson and an advertisement for the September 24th preseason game against, I don't even remember who it was. I think it was the it Flyers. Matter. It doesn't matter. The fact that I saw an advertisement for a hockey game, my heart swelled. One of those things, as a real hockey fan, that you just, the first time you start seeing the New Year's ads for four games, you start seeing the, you start seeing, like, the billboards change from hockey, uh, from, like, baseball season to the winter sports, it gets you going a little bit. I have to agree. It, it 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 made my day just seeing, it. and and, it, and it's not like they, it's not like it was a long one minute. It was like a quick fifteen second, just hey, you know, game's coming next. They didn't talk. It did, you know how they usually show like Patrice Bergeron's face, Brad Marchand's face. Yeah. Didn't show any faces. Didn't show any team. Didn't show. It, it was just Nesson, September twenty fourth, Bruins versus I think it's the Flyers. Don't quote me on it because I have. (laughs) Yes, that that was my thought was I will be sitting in front of the television. (laughs) That's all I thought was I will be sitting in front of the television. It's next Saturday. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, that that really did just. I mean, it's bad enough. We've got Christmas stuff in the stores. And that was one thing while I was on holiday. Whoa. It is not even November. You don't say the C word. Well, unfortunately, when I was in England, they don't celebrate. I shouldn't say they don't. They're not as big on Halloween as we are here. They obviously don't have Thanksgiving because that's a, a, a U.S. thing. I mean, Canada has their own Thanksgiving, which is around Columbus Day. But. Thanksgiving here, it, it, it's a it's a here, it, it, you know, it's not a worldwide yes. thing. So in August, they had 
Christmas things on the shelf. And I was just I, I was left agape. I, I don't I, I was like, you got to be kidding me. It's four months away, three months, whatever, three and a half months. I was just I was in a sense of, I don't know, suspended animation, suspended, suspended awe. I don't know. And then first week I come home, I see Hallmark ornaments hanging on the shelves. I was like, oh, my goodness, no. But it also does indicate that hockey is coming as well. So I, I kind of put a little spin on it and said, yeah, my season is coming. So I had to turn it into a positive. But yes, this, the, 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 we do not use the C word, or at least I prefer not to use it as much as I possibly can avoid it. So where are we going today? What do we have for exciting stuff since we are a week away from? Well, let's see. We have everything from a public stripping to uh, a, well, we didn't actually put it into the boards, but a drunken party. Um, <laughs> someone taking a step back, uh, twin signings, a comparison of what uh, Florida and Toronto have done, an Iron Man streak. The best Bruins to ever wear a, a couple of different uh, different numbers. Um, Jersey ads, the timelessness of Patrick Roy's behavior, and more. Um, honestly, hand over your eyes, uh, point at the screen, twirl your finger around a few times, stop, and we'll I, start there. I was going to say, I really don't want to be throwing darts at my computer screen here, so... What, okay, let's. We should close the book on this. So, as much as maybe we shouldn't start with it, but at least it closes the book on the situation. Um, and I saw a tweet about this actually, and I didn't understand the tweet, but Evander Kane tweeted out about playing in the Sharks organization and how that part of his life was over. Let's go, Edmonton. And I didn't quite understand it at first, and then I started searching around and I found what you found Kane and the Sharks finally settling I do like the way you wrote yes the Sharks were wrong <laughs> okay if we, didn't, if we didn't already know that I mean they're the ones who tried to well I don't know if they were listening to his ex-wife or what but in part they were and I do not blame the Sharks or the league for investigating him there were some serious allegations made, but each and every one of them was proven false. Or at, yeah. at worst, proven unsupportable. They couldn't find any evidence of gambling on hockey games. They couldn't find any evidence of domestic assault. Uh, they couldn't find evidence of him throwing games. And... By the way, just look at his numbers and you tell me if he was throwing. Uh, it, hello? It... it, it it was ridiculous from the beginning. Yes. It was ridiculous from the beginning, and I think that if you actually look at the cap situation of the San Jose Sharks last year, a case can be made for them using this as an excuse to get out of cap jail. That's... Mm, I mean, that's a... That's a that's a harsh way to go about getting out of cap jail, though, to, to turn around and accuse somebody of these things. They, but they didn't accuse him. They simply acted in the best interest of the organization. Oh, OK. 
that were protecting the reputation of the San Jose Sharks franchise and, of course, the players who would be forced to associate with him if those things were indeed proven true. Oh, and then there was the allegedly submitting fraudulent COVID-19 vaccination card. That one was probably true, but probably still not (laughs) enough to work someone's contract. Uh, but then they they can they level the 21 game suspension against him for violating. But if they're still using the word allegedly, then clearly they didn't find any evidence to prove otherwise. Um, I think this is one of those things that where there's a nice legal settlement settlement in place. There's going to be all sorts of non-disclosure uh, agreements attached to it. So we're probably not ever going to hear. Any definitive statements? On so, what was what was the final? The final, <clears throat> the final, uh, final bit of the settlement is that the Sharks are going to make up the cash difference between the contract that Kane is playing for with the Oilers now and what they were what they were supposed to pay him, uh, which was a greater amount uh, when he was still with the Sharks. Okay, yeah, and according okay, so according to this, he was due 19 million in salary for the last three years of his San Jose deal. The first new first three years of his deal with the Oilers pay him 16 and a half. So they're going to pay him a whopping two and a half million dollars to make up the difference. They got a <clears throat> yes, they got out of or what is it, 16 and a half million dollars uh, for two and a half million. Yeah, I, I I'd settle that way too. And it retroactively applies to the 21-22 salary cap, which doesn't actually which doesn't actually hurt them because they had just under five million in cap space. So it doesn't put them in any kind of cap situation where they're going to have to pay a penalty. It, it, I don't even they know if there was pay him last year because he was suspended essentially the whole year before his contract was voided. True. Um, his contract would have put would have put them over the cap. Right. Okay. So now they're getting out of it by only having to pay him what pennies. about a third? Yeah, pennies on the dollar. So thirty, you know, say about thirty three, thirty five cents on the dollar for. I mean, yes. Okay, he didn't play for you because you put him down. You put him on the Barracudas and then <clears throat> didn't play him at all. But if you look at his number, I mean, I just and I think that's what bothered me the most about it was the 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 allegations of of gambling on hockey, the allegations of throwing games, the allegations of performance. If you look at his number uh, wrong, (laughs) he had a seven million dollar contract, a seven million a year contract with them. And now they're going to pay like two and a half million for last season and. Uh, and the difference between his current contract, yeah, they they got out ahead on that one. Yeah, so uh, managed to avoid any kind of real. They this isn't even a slap on the wrist for the sharks. This is, this is like a stern talking to from a parent to a five year old or something. Or this is a dramatic sigh of a parent to their teenager. I mean, San Jose Sharks, his last season with them, 2020-2021, he played all he played all 56 games. He had 49 points. Hello. I mean, 
I kind of wonder if this isn't part of the reason uh, that the opening appeared for Mike Greer uh, to take over as general manager. Yeah, by the way, that was a, a one of the smarter moves that San Jose has made recently. Because there's no way to objectively look at this situation or the multiple situations with the Sharks organization there and say that this was this was a good thing, a smart thing, a well done thing. That's what I don't understand is Doug Wilson is not a foolish man. Doug Wilson is not a a, a dumb man. Doug Wilson is is smart. He's been running the team for a long time. I mean, yes, he's out now and he had some, but I, I have a hard time believing this was all Doug Wilson. This, I, I, this had to be above his head. It, it likely was. And that's why I'm really not going to throw Wilson under the bus. I've said that this is a sharks issue and I'll leave it as a sharks issue because from the outside, it's really hard to tell who's pulling the strings on these things. I mean, you can look at the language that people use sometimes and see whether they whether they're doing something because they were told to, uh, because they firmly believe in it, or because someone told them to. But you're still only speculating. Yeah, I don't know enough. I don't have enough to spec- even speculate on that right now. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I just generally discussed it with the topic. Um, I was disgusted with it when he was accused of nonsense. Um, oh, I was disgusted with when I was when he was accused of nonsense when he was still playing with Atlanta and Winnipeg and then Buffalo and all the other nonsense. And all of it just keeps going away whenever someone exposes it to sunlight. So on September 16th, which was two days ago, uh, Evander Kane tweeted out, <clears throat> I played some of my best hockey in San Jose and gave everything I had on the ice. I really enjoyed playing in front of the Sharks fans and appreciate my loyal fans who have supported me throughout. Adversity can either break you or make you stronger. It certainly made me stronger. I'm happy to finally close that chapter of my hockey career. Edmonton, let's go. Uh, uh, it's just nice to have this behind him. Uh, unfortunately, reading comments is not something you should do. And, and I did glance at a couple. And, of course, everybody's telling Edmonton that Evander Kane is some kind of a, a – a, uh, I hate to use the C word, but uh, cancer in the locker room and that uh, he'll turn on them and that it, it's not always going to be lo- – uh, it's not always going to be sunshine and roses. And I think that given the right circumstances and given a non-toxic place to play, I don't think it's an Evander Kane issue. I think it, I think this was clearly a San Jose issue. And unfortunately his ex-wife needs to talk to somebody. And that's as far as I'll go with that. I, Everything that I've seen from that particular relationship seems to indicate that the two of them should probably never have been a couple. And I don't, it does not appear that that was a healthy relationship for either of them. Uh, Not from the outside. 
But but it is over and it's over and it's on to actual hockey-ish stuff. Yes. Um since we're since we're out west, uh why don't we stay out west and uh move a, a little tiny bit to the uh to the denuding uh that you brought up before the show. I don't understand. <sighs> I happen to be glancing around for last minute stories, anything that might have come up, you know, that I might have missed. And I stumble across this story from Hockey Feed, probably not the first place where I would look for stories, but it popped up on on, on the Google feed and whatnot. And you seem to find it on something uh, a little bit more mainstream on, on CBC. But uh, it turns out that the Winnipeg Jets have stripped the captaincy from Blake Wheeler. Explain this to me, please, because I do not understand this concept at all. Somebody is, is I don't know, thinking that, what, the 32-year-old who's been there 80% of his player forever? 80% of his career, he's given everything he has to the Winnipeg Jets organization, and clearly deserves to be wearing the C. Uh, based on what his teammates have said in the past, based on based on what his past coaches have said, um, this, this is a guy who is is a leader. He might not be the loudest guy in the room, but as we've seen with Patrice, you don't have to be. You just have you just you just are. I mean, people no. look at Patrice and they they just you have to match his work ethic. You have to you know it's expected of you. And if you don't, he can sit you down and he can explain to you what's going on. He, he's that type of leader. It's the same as with, you know, Zdeno Chara or even Ray Bork. Ray Bork was never the loudest guy in the room. When he no. spoke, everyone listened. Right. But um, the kindest, most sensible explanation I can give you or potential explanation is that Rick Bonus, Kevin Cheveldayoff, and whoever else decided we want to see who the next leader of the team is going to be because Blake Wheeler has this year and one year left on his contract. Okay. Eight million and change. Probably not going to be re-signed because he's 36 now. Um, we want to see who the next leader is going to emerge. We're going to level the playing field and say, hey, everybody – the captaincy is why it open. Come out and show us why it should be you. Um, the story uh, from the CBC says that there's a yet-to-be-determined group of alternate captains. Um, I will be modestly surprised if it does not include Blake Wheeler. Um, knowing, knowing the team, uh, at least a little bit from the outside... Uh, I suspect that one of the guys who will end up, I mean, he has an A at this point, Josh Morrissey, Mm -hmm. um, would not surprise me to see Nate Schmidt uh, pick up an A. Um, They may even just completely decide to rotate them uh, and and roll through, you know, six or seven alternate captains, have people uh, only wearing them for a month at a time throughout the season. Um. You might see you might see Nicholas Ehlers pick it up uh, for a little bit. He's one of their draft picks. 
Uh, he was drafted in 2014. Um, he's been pretty consistent. He had 28 goals last year in 62 games, 21 and 47 the year before, 25 and in, in 71, 21, 29, 25. I mean, he hasn't. Huge numbers are not not super impressive, but uh, he he is at least homegrown. Um, yep. But here's what bothers me. Oh, trust me, it bothers me. But uh, yes. it, it says, and, and quoting bonus, we're a family here, and that's what I'm trying to tell them. We're all in this fight together every day, and we all have to be held accountable. We have to support each other. We have to help each other. We have to push each other. It took time to make the moves. Preseason campaign. There are several new coaches and staff need time to talk and get to know the player. Bonus is making this change. He's as new as anybody else. He was in yep. Dallas last year. Yep. So to to just make this change without getting to know everybody. And then it says, Bonus insisted Blake's a key part of this team, but was evasive when asked if Wheeler would be one of the assistants. Quote, we'll see. And when I say we'll see, that means I know what I'm going to do and I'm not ready to share it with you. I, 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 this just rubs me the wrong. I don't get it. You haven't been there five minutes and you're already stripping a C off of a guy's chest. He's been captain for the last six years. You don't have a plan in place except to say, well, we're going to give A's out to everybody, you know, and, and we'll see how it works. And, and we're a big family here. And everybody needs to be held accountable. So you're telling me because he wears a C that not everybody is held accountable? I don't that, understand how that works either. I mean, everybody is – just because somebody has a letter on their chest doesn't mean that you don't hold the rest of the players accountable. What, you're only going to go to the captain and, and give him the what for when, when you lose a game? No, you give it to the whole team in the locker room. You held, you hold everybody accountable. Just because a guy has a C on his chest or an A on his chest doesn't mean that he's suddenly the only one. Over the last five years, <clears throat> no player has scored more for the Winnipeg Jets than Blake Wheeler. 353 points. Um, Mark Shifley, just behind that. Kyle Connor. Uh, and then Nikolai Ehlers. Um, over the last three years, he's still in that top. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, over the last uh, three years, three seasons, going through COVID, going through all the injuries, he's still third. Um, he at 0.92 per minute uh, per game. He's still averaging 19.08 uh, in time on ice. Literally, what more do you want from this dude? Um, and it, 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 it says on Friday, Wheeler smiled awkwardly, <clears throat> quote, having that as your first conversation with a new coach is surprising, but I've had time to let it sink in. For the most part, he came across as conflicted. I, I, that's the first conversation you have with the player is, oh, by the way, we're taking the C off your off your shoulder. What? <laughs> Hi, how you doing? Oh, you're the new head coach. Yeah, okay. No, oh, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I, I I don't like it at all. I know bonus. I know, I know. Head coaches in general like to put their stamp on a team. You know, it's kind of like in other sports where you get a new GM, you get a new leader. 
They like to bring in their own coaching staff, whatever. But to make this one of the things that you do before you get to know the team just smacks of, I don't know, ill-conceived plans. This guy has been the team leader. He's been the captain for six years, and, oh, you're not the captain anymore. I mean, you don't think the team's going to still see him as that. And, and, and as it says here, he's quoted, I don't need a letter on my jersey. I think there was a time in my career where that validation was important to me, but I don't need it anymore. The team is still going to see him as the leader, but the the image of him having the C removed from it just oh I can't. It, I think this is it's almost like bonuses ill-conceived. trying. Ill-conceived is the best light I can put on it. Did they get good results last year? No. Did they have some injuries? Uh huh. Did they have some uh, COVID problems? Yep. Uh, but I don't, I do not in any way understand this one. Excuse me. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if this is bonus trying to bonus. It almost, it almost seems like bonus is trying to play the alpha in the room. Like I'm the guy I'm going to make a change just for the sake of showing everybody that I can make the change. That's almost, that, that, that's how I feel. That's how it looks to me. Here's another alternative, and I will feel I'm okay with everyone saying that uh, this is, a, you know, propeller hat in tinfoil territory, because I'm not saying I necessarily believe it. I think that what it, that it's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Blake Wheeler, like many uh, players in the league, has a no movement, no con, uh, no movement clause, no trade con uh, list. Okay. Maybe this is Shevel Day off directing, directing uh, things to get Blake Wheeler moved at the deadline. Maybe Bla- maybe Shevel Day off said mm-hmm. at, said when he brought in bonus, strip him of the sea. I want to be able to move him at at the deadline. I want him to be gone. I want to clear up that cap space for our young players. Uh, and it's part of getting, it's part of accepting this job that you're going to do this task. It's thinking outside the box. <clears throat> that doesn't make it. I mean, he's not exactly overly paid. I mean, He's making eight, he's eight and a quarter mil this year and next year. If they trade him at the deadline, I yep. think that that kind of money is going to be difficult to move. Depends on who. It uh, depends on who is who. What team needs him? But they have Pierre Luc Dubois, who's going to need a contract at the end of the year. Baron uh, uh, Morgan Baron. Uh, you've got Dylan uh, Sandberg and Logan Stanley, who are going to need contracts. Uh, you're going to need a backup goaltender contract. Yes, that doesn't make too much take up too much money. But if PLD has a solid season, he'll probably land at least where Blake Wheeler is now in terms of cash. Um, because he had you know 60 points in 81 games last year. 
Um, if he has, if he pops up 75, 85 points this year, he's certainly going to be looking for a raise. Uh, you've got Mark Shifley, who's who's two years away from needing a contract himself. Um, he may he may well need something. Um, I mean, yes, it makes sense. I'm sure that 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 column where it says age probably scares Shovel Day off. But what have you seen out of Blake Wheeler that tells you that he's not performing at a high level? Nothing. Okay. Just throwing it out there. It's like saying Patrice Bergeron's 37. Oh, my God, we got to move him at the deadline. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. As much as most fans in Winnipeg like Blake Wheeler, I genuinely, genuinely do not think it would be healthy for a general manager to move. Patrice Bergeron to a different team without Patrice Bergeron taking out like multiple billboards across New England saying I need to be traded out of this bleep hole, um, which I really can't imagine Bergeron doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can trade Blake Wheeler without mass revolt in in Winnipeg. Really. I'm not saying that people are going to like it. I'm not saying you're not going to you're not going to hear some harsh words, but Patrice Bergeron has won all the trophies, including that big one that gets handed out at the end of the year Um, in Boston. Blake Wheeler has been a very effective player and a good guy in Winnipeg. And there's a difference. I still, uh, okay. I, I mean, Look, if I were Winnipeg, if I lived in Winnipeg, uh, I wouldn't want him traded. I would be really upset because number one, you're not going to get you're not going to get dollar for dollar value. I mean, you can trade him some to some cup contender who somehow manages to find a bunch of cap space and give you a pick or two or a couple of young prospects, but the odds that you're going to get someone who's going to come in and be a point per game player like he has a 200 foot player pretty low. Yeah, I don't, I don't, if, if, if that were the case, if Shevel Dayoff was actually looking to the future and whether he could move him at the deadline based on team performance, uh, what, what exactly are you hoping to, it, it, there's nobody on the roster who, that I can see that is, the 200 foot guy that he is. And certainly not Nikolai, Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, maybe Kyle Connor, but I don't think he's as good at the 200 foot game as, as Wheeler. Uh, Shifley. No. Although Shifley's not terrible. Um, but that's, that's the thing you might be going for. As I said, if you're looking to make a youth movement because he's by Blake Wheeler is 11 years older than Kyle Connor. Um, He's seven years older than Mark Shifley. Um, In fact, the next oldest forward is Sam Gagne, who's 33. Um, And he's on a veteran minimum. And then, you know, the next oldest defenseman is the next oldest player overall is are uh, Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon at 31. 
Blake is legit the graybeard in the room. Understood. Um, does that mean maybe, maybe Shovel Dayoff thinks that Blake isn't going to connect with the young players as well? They've got it. They've got at least a few uh, eighteen and nineteen year olds in the system who are probably going to be pushing for roster spots in the next year or two. I just I don't like it. I I, 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 I don't I like it at all. I, I think the I, I can is make, bad. I can make explanations for it, but I don't necessarily say that I agree with any of them. Um, speaking of former Boston Bruins, Phil Kessel's Iron Man streak is now at 982 games. Is he signed somewhere? He is indeed signed somewhere. Um, he will be playing this season. Uh, I thought he signed actually a two-year contract. I could be wrong. Uh, Phil Kessel signed in Vegas this year for one and a half um, for <laughs> one year. Okay. Does he does he crack a thousand uh, a thousand games in in this streak? He only needs 18. Only. Uh, travel in the Western Conference, lots of time to get stiff. Um, he's 12. He's but now forget, he's played. He's been playing in the Western Conference for the last few years now with Arizona. Yep, but those were shorter seasons. I mean, last year was a full season, but the first two were shortened. Um, uh, due to uh, the public health concern. And he's also 34 years old with 1,200 regular season and 96 postseason games uh, of mileage on the body. Mm-hmm. Does he hit that thousand? Yes. I think if they have to wheel him out, I think if they have to wheel him out on a, on a stretcher and put a stick in his hand and somebody has to skate him around the ice, he'll be out there. I think I, I, he strikes me as he's he, we're talking about a guy who had to had testicular cancer. I believe it was testicular. Yes, it was at like 19 or 20. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see him as the type of guy who's going to be it's going to require something of a. If it's just a nagging little, OK, he's got a a. a a knee contusion or something, he'll be out. It's going to take something He's going of to have a to... more serious nature to keep him off the ice. I think that hitting that, I think that hitting milestones is, is something that he can look forward to. I mean, unfortunately, yeah, he played with Arizona. He's already won. He's already won with the Penguins. So he's got, he, he's got Lord Stanley, you know, on Twice. his resume. I, I, I think he recognizes that it's possible that he might not get another opportunity at it. And just one more nail in the hang my name in, in, in Toronto. And that was actually going to be my next question. 1,204 games uh, as of right now, 1,204 regular season games, 399 goals. So next one is number 400. Yeah. 956 points. So 
he's not many games away from cracking a thousand points. Um, and then the two Stanley Cups and 96, uh, 96 postseason games is Phil Kessel a Hall of Famer. My answer I, is, I don't know. He's never make, had a 40-goal season. I can make arguments both directions. He's never had a 40-goal season. I do not think he's ever had, a, aside from the Masterton, which everyone would rather not get. Um, I can't think of... He's got no other awards. He's a two-time cup winner, and he's got the 2006-07 Masterton Award. That's it. No Rookie of the Year, no player of the year no mvps unless it's team unless it's team awards he doesn't have any 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 other nhl awards but he's been he's averaging in his career he's still averaging 18 minutes a night the one number i don't like is that he's still got a minus number for a guy who's a goal scorer i mean He's still a he's still a minus one forty eight for his career, but yeah, he's forty four points he's forty four points away from a thousand. I mean, what what's your what's your what's your milestone? Is is a forty goal season a milestone for being a Hall of Famer? Is a fifty goal season a mile? I mean, I think you probably need to have a forty or a fifty goal season, which he never has, um, or you need to get a con Smythe. Or you need to get two regular season awards, like the main awards. I mean, the Masterton is for having your life suck for a a, a good period and coming back from it. Um, I'll, give, I'll I'll give you another nail to put on your to to put on your on your belt. Uh, as far as him not getting in, never been an all star. Uh, yeah, I, I think that at this point, Bill Kessel will probably get into the U S hockey hall of fame. Oh, without a doubt that, that one he'll get into, but as far as Toronto, I think the answer is no. I, yeah, I, it's not, it's certainly not first ballot. I mean, if it's something where he's going, if it's something where it's a year where there's not an overly, uh, he's not going in the year that Bergeron goes in. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> like he, he's going to be going out. Like if he plays this year and even one more, you're looking at him going, uh, retiring in like the same span as Bergeron, who's going in. I well, mean, if he, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, I want to know. Who, I want to know whose head's going to roll. But <laughs> multiple. I mean, Sidney Crosby is not young anymore. Nope. Um. You've got uh, Evgeny Malkin, who's in the same age. You've got uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, who's about that same age. Uh, Joe Thornton's just retired, and I think Joe Thornton – well, Joe Thornton clearly has a better resume for getting in. Uh, Zdeno Chara, going to be within a year or two. Joe Thornton's missing one thing, though. Yes. I don't necessarily think that a cup is a requirement to make it in. Okay. Um, because I mean, Sean Cup has three Stanley Cups. Are we actually putting him in the in into these into the? Who does? Uh, 
I believe Sean Thornton has been on three Stanley Cup winners. I know he's got at least one. <laughs> I think he won with the Ducks, and then I forget where else he was. That's a that's a good point. Um, that's a very good point. Sean Thornton is probably not getting into any Hall of Fames anytime soon. Uh, but Sean Thornton is a two-time Cup winner. Two times. Okay. Sean Thornton has won the Stanley Cup with... Uh, where, oh, where has he won Stanley Cups? I'm going to... Obviously, with Boston. Before that, was Anaheim... Was he one year... It was Anaheim. Anaheim? Yeah, it was Anaheim in 07. Yeah. That was... Uh, he played 48 games for them, had two goals, seven assists. But... And... and Back as far as Kessel goes, yeah, I don't. I'm not putting him in. Certainly not first ballot. I think if it's a year where they've got uh, some very good players, but not superstars, I think that it's possible he gets voted in. But on the whole, I don't. I don't know that I put him in. I mean. Never been an all-star. I mean, granted, okay, all-star, the argument on the other side of that is that it's a popularity contest. Which, Phil, who's not the best interview in the league, um, probably never going to win. The closest he's come is twice he was – twice he was third. Yeah. I think it's I think it's I think it's telling that he's been on four teams in the NHL and only on one team does he have a positive plus minus. Care to guess which team? Um I don't even need to guess. It's Boston. It is. It is indeed. He finished in Boston with a plus 5. During a time where uh, there was Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci and Zdeno Chara. <laughs> and Wait, was Chara there? Chara, Chara was really young then. <laughs> uh, and Aaron Ward and... Aaron Ward? You're going to give credit to Aaron Ward? <laughs> wow. Aaron Ward was not speedy, but when he he got to the right place on the ice and he did his job. You had Mark Stewart. You had... um. You had P.J. Axelson. Um, uh, yes, P.J. Uh, well, let's see. So, no, I, I don't think Phil is getting in, but I think it's likely he crosses uh, the 1,000 games. I, I think he gets to 1,000. I don't know that at the end of his career, unless something spectacular happens, I don't think that he's getting in the Hall of Fame. Certainly not first ballot. Um. Patrick Roy is back to being uh, Patrick Roy. Of course he is. You, you didn't think or he was going to be able to stay has, out of the spotlight forever, did you? Has not relented in being Patrick Roy. <laughs> um, he was a he. He's the coach of the Quebec Ramparts of the uh, QMJHL. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was ejected from a game in the preseason. That's impressive. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's impressive. Maybe not in a good way, but 
you get ejected from a preseason game. What the heck are you doing that you're only in preseason and getting thrown out? Uh, this in this case, it was arguing with the officials. That's it. Just I, I've seen I've seen the man Ben Ben Glass trying to get at the other team over the Shawinigan Cataracts. Now, there's a backstory to this. One of the officials in this game was uh, in the game he's tossed out of was an official from uh, <clears throat> from the. Um, from their playoff series against um, against the Shawinigan Cat or no, yeah, against the Shawinigan Cataracts, and who they had a playoff series against, and Patrick Rua was shockingly critical of the officiating then. Wow, One of those officials was part of this game, and he, Patrick was not particularly. Um, He's not particularly aggressive in the in his quotes. Um, this the story, by the way, is on scouting the refs. Um, he's quoted as saying, and this quote apparently comes out of a Yahoo Sports article. As I told my players, uh, I don't feel like I'm getting the same treatment as other coaches around the league. That's why I try to do as little as talk as little talking as possible during games. I thought it was funny that the league put us against Shawin again in an exhibition game. They were tactless. He goes on to say, maybe I'm the one who's going to have to do a mea, a mea culpa looking at the mirror and finding a way to digest it. Uh, it was fine up to that point, but when I saw them on the ice, I had a hard time understanding. Maybe I didn't have the right attitude when I left. Maybe I should have put it aside, but that's not the type of person I am. Oh, understatement. Um in my good years, the stick rack would have been flying back. Today, I'm going to try. Uh, I'm trying to stay calmer. I'll have to get over it. Maybe it will have some good what happened tonight. In my good years, the stick rack would have been flying back. It's nice that he can. It's nice that he can actually admit that he would have thrown the stick rack onto the ice. And that now he's able to control his emotions. But the fact that he refers to them as the good years. The good years. The good years. It just speaks to. Yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Patrick Ruah. I like the last line of this article. I'm sorry. The last line that means anything, because the last line is Quebec won the game. Uh we don't anticipate that ending anytime soon. Yes. Uh, speaking of the battle between Rua and the officials, and I, I think that's probably one of the, uh, I think that's probably one of the safest statements made about hockey this century. And probably I, will be for the next century. I mean, it, it, it's Patrick. I don't know what to, I don't know what else to say. He's he's an emotional guy. He's always been an emotional guy, even when he was playing with Montreal with Colorado. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. Clearly, he's not the greatest at at keeping them under control. It's nice that he recognizes that he used he would have done this in the past, but now he's able to kind of rein it in a little bit. But 
but I don't think that he's ever he's ever he's not ever going to be the guy who just swallows his pride and 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 sucks it up. If he feels he's been wronged, he's going to let you know, and it's going to be loud, and it could intend it could be. I don't want to use the word violent because people are going to think violence toward people, but something's going to get thrown. I mean, whether, yeah. it's, a milk, whether it's a milk crate or a hockey stick <laughs> or a puck <laughs> or the bench. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of offensive and violent. Uh, okay. We are moving into the end times for hockey. Is this a sign of the apocalypse coming up here? Uh, yes. Jersey ads begin this year. Oh, no. I mean, they did. I, I'm surprised that they've held out as long as they have. Uh, they started doing it on basketball uniforms a few years ago. Baseball is still the one sport that I have not seen ads on the uniforms. Uh, no, actually, football doesn't have ads on uniforms yet either. But I'm surprised hockey has held out as long as they have. Uh, I, I think it's something that's I going passionately to, hate it. I don't like it either. I mean, I don't no, no, no. like passionately hate. I don't like the look of the uniforms when they play in international tournaments with you can't SCOTUS, even tell who the team is. But Skoda slapped all over it, and then they got you know, it looks like. And sounds like, from what I'm reading, that they're going to try and do this the same way that the NBA is doing it. They're going to have one sponsor for the team, and they're going to have a just one patch. Uh huh. But yeah, I don't, I don't like where it's going. I understand why they're doing it, and I guess that's the important thing is that they're trying to bring in more revenue. There are other and better ways, like you could learn to bleeping advertise you could stop driving away fans there you um, go why would you know but but what would be the fun in trying to get them back then oh wait um, we'll put a patch on the uniform that'll bring them back you could just plain get a or have a useful streaming service you could i don't know have you could stream the press conferences afterwards and sponsor them and have full sponsorship for those. Get, you know, that five, 12 minutes of airtime completely sponsored by one or two, uh, one or two marketers. Um, you could, here's an idea. Um, there are a lot of ways that you could do it. Like, legitimately, a lot of ways that you could do it. I would even, legitimately, I would even find it less offensive to have like stick sheaths that had advertising on the sticks than having the jerseys. Yes, they already do. It's called the company that makes the stick. But that's that's a that's a part of the equipment. I I do not like advertising on the jerseys. It's distracting. It really really is. But uh, Greg Wyshynski has put together uh, some information on the ads. Um, according to the agreement between the NHL and the NHLPA, one patch, nothing more for now. 
It has to it has to fit into a three and a three and a half three by three, by three and, a half. and a half inch patch. Yep. It can be it can be any shape. It doesn't have to be square. Right. And it can be it can be anywhere. There's four locations. It can be right chest, left chest, right shoulder, left shoulder, something like that. Uh, right, left and right shoulders, right, left and right chest. Um, um, apparently, the front of the the jersey, the front front of the jersey, isn't deemed more valuable. Um, anal, uh, the analytics apparently show that the shoulder is at least as visible. Um, and thankfully, 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 because I would not buy another jersey otherwise. Um, the authentic Adidas jerseys that are sold online will not have sponsor patches on them. Uh, the Jersey ad policy states that teams should apply a sponsor patch at arena stores only if their fans request it. Otherwise they'll have the chance to buy an authentic Jersey without the patch. Um, and of course there, it says, as it says here in the article, uh, this setup could change in the future. Um, The breakaway fan replica jerseys will also not feature sponsor patch sponsor patches for 2023 uh, the 2022-2023 season. Um, and there's a bunch of rules about who can and can't put what on there. The usual suspects: uh, beer, wine, alcohol of any sort, marijuana products, or anything of a sexual nature. Not allowed by the league. Um, but crypto, maybe, sort of, kind of. And betting. Sort of, kind of, maybe, when it's legal in the state that the team plays in. Okay. Um, I've hated this for years. Not every team is going to have them. Um, As of the writing of this article, uh, the teams with the deals, uh, or teams that have announced deals, Coyotes, Jackets, uh, Wild, Canadians, Penguins, Blues, Knights, and Caps. Um... And I, I applaud the teams who are not doing it. I, there are so many other ways that you could gain revenue, including, I don't know, having the team. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say at the end, at the, just at the end of the article, when they talked to David Morehouse, who was, um, when the ads were first approved, he was Penguins president. And he said the NHL would never go down that road. Quote, Gary is never going to let anything be put anything be put on our jerseys. That's going to make them look like NASCAR or European League hockey. Gary's been very hesitant and very systematic in how he's approached this. <clears throat> now that ads have arrived, the NHL continues to say that the first jersey ads are not a slippery slope to total advertising saturation. It's a small patch. Oh, this is a quote. It's a small patch. We know how important the front of the sweater is. There's no reason to change that. Anyone that's getting hysterical about that is listening to the wrong hype or they're on Twitter. We have no intention of doing anything like NASCAR or what they do in European sports. We still have tasteful ice. We Uh still have tasteful boards. We've done this very tastefully, too. Please... You've got ads around the board. You've got ads everywhere on the ice, including in the in, including in the in the outside areas of the trapezoid. You you tried to sell everything you possibly could. You've got ads on the helmets. 
leave the jerseys alone, but they didn't. I, I would honestly, even, I would actually honestly be even less annoyed by ads on like the pants than on the jersey. The jersey is the representation of your organization. You've got your logo on there. You've got the player's name on the back. You've got the team name on the front. That is, that's your representation when you're on the ice skating around, when people are watching the game. To distract them from that by putting adverts on it just doesn't make sense. I can, yes, I can see them on the shorts because most of the shorts are usually a black or a or a white or team color. It, it's and, and it's not the first thing that viewers the look first at. First thing you see. I completely agree. Shorts, I could almost get. I could almost allow myself to be okay with. Almost. I mean, the ones on the helmets. I've gotten to the point where I don't notice them anymore. They're still there. No, they're still annoying. Fair enough. And since since we don't swear on the show, uh, we're going to leave that topic alone. <laughs> Is this the year? Is this the year? Is this the year? The Coyotes starting their season, of course, on the road until nearly the end of October and then playing in a 5,000 seat or less college arena uh, that the Coyotes go all in on youth on the ice. They've got Connor Geeky and Dylan Gauthier uh, headlining their uh, their youth movement, their prospect pool, with the upcoming draft supposed to be really strong and the ridiculous number of draft picks that the Yotes have in the next draft or two. <laughs> Plus them at soonest moving to a new arena uh, three years from now. When they finish do they, it. or to a actual NHL arena, at least three years from now. Actually, next year they only have seven picks. It's 2024 and 2025 where their pick numbers get ridiculous. They have in 2024 they have three first three second round picks and four yes four third round picks plus two fourth and two sevens. So a total of 14. Literally twice the number of normal picks, <laughs> or twice the normal number of picks. Uh-huh. And then the next year is almost, is in some ways more ridiculous because you have four second-round picks. Uh-huh. Um, and based on what we, based on the teams as they're composed now, you legitimately may have a bottom seven or eight pick, or a pick that's in the first seven or eight in the Coyotes' own pick. And then when you look at Toronto, Edmonton, and the Rangers for the other three picks, you could have two of the bottom four picks uh, in that in that 2025 second round. So, so their 2024 and 2025 drafts are going to be al dente. Uh, throw, it, throw it against the wall and see what sticks. 
you know, if they decide that they're going to go all in this year or assume that their arena deal is approved and we'll talk, we'll try and talk about that next week. Um, it's going to be voted on, but assume their arena deal is approved this fall and they actually get their, get everything in order to open a new arena, 22,000 seats or so, whatever it's going to be um, three years from now. Now really isn't a bad time to go all in on youth, especially where they're reporting that they have higher season ticket revenue than they did in the, in the Gila river arena uh, this year. So three years from now, yeah, you have a you have you still have Clayton Keller will be 27, uh, Nick Schmaltz would be 29. Um, you probably you still have, if you still have Jacob Chikrin, um, he's only 27. Uh, Josh Brown would only be 31. Uh, Troy Stetcher would only be 31. Um, you could still have a lot of recognizable players from right now on that roster. Plus some of those kids coming in from the next three years drafts. If they come out of the gates and 20 games in, they're in the middle of the pack out West. They might, even if they don't start the season off with, uh, with all of their young guys in, they might just not only bring up some of those young guys, but they might spend some capital to make the playoffs. Unfortunately, Andrew Ladd throws off the age curve, but at 36, but yeah, the, this is a young organization. And I think that not having, I, I, I have to agree with you, not having a permanent home at the moment. If there's going to be a time where you just roll out a lot of youth and you suck it up and say, look, we've got to see what we have, you know, the whole al dente situation. We got to see what we have. We see them in the minors, but we got to see them in, in at the top level. Let's let's just get the young guys out there and let them perform. They're going to get, as long as they're getting the opportunity to play every night, as long as they're getting meaningful minutes, which they would get in the minors if they had a full complement of, dare I say, NHL veterans or, or regulars yeah. or something like that, they wouldn't get that opportunity at the top level. But looking at the roster, there's plenty, it, it, to me, there's plenty of opportunity for these young guys to get some get some playing time. In you Arizona, can move rather. a lot of these veterans either to the press box or to another team who wants depth going into the playoffs this year, and uh, and let these young kids play. I mean, let's be honest: Zach Cassian and uh, Nick Ritchie are not pushing this team into the playoffs. No, Travis Boyd probably no. Um, I think that you you probably want to keep one or two of those guys around, uh, along with Andrew Ladd, uh, because you do you don't want to go with a roster of roster completely full of guys who have never seen the NHL before. 
Um, but it comes down to, I mean, for me, it would come down to, even if we're losing most of the time, can their locker room stay positive for three years with a very young team? Can they still, can they still want to win badly enough to, to do what it takes to win? Uh, can they actually make the playoffs? Like if you can drop Gauthier and Geeky into this roster and get that playoffs, get that, get a playoff spot for the first time. And I don't remember how many years the coyotes that's that actually legitimately counts as a big win. You can get into the playoffs two years in a row with a couple of 22 year olds on the roster. Yeah, that's going to be big. It, it, it means that you're going to sell a lot more jerseys. You're going to sell even more. You're going to have a waiting list of, you know, four or 5,000 more than you're going to have seats for season tickets when the new arena eventually opens up. And that's a big deal. Um, if you have 5,000 committed season ticket holders, or say, you're, say you've got 3,000 seats sold to season ticket holders in that 5,000-seat arena, guess what that means? 5,000. It means you have three or four. It means you have most of the arena filled with your fans. I well, mean, I one, of the, so, yeah. one of the things that people have criticized the market for is that it, it it's never sounds like a home game for the Coyotes. The one upside to them playing in an arena that small is that if the season ticket holders are actually showing up and yeah. cheering the team, whether you have the smallest season ticket holder base in the league or not, if you have 2,000, 3,000 season ticket holders and you sell 5% of the rest of the tickets to drunken college students because they don't have anything else to do that night um, and you only sell 1,000 seats to out-of-towners, you don't have to work hard at drowning out the visitors. You just don't. I mean, 5,000-seat arena, you give me 200 good hockey fans and, I can, and you can drown out a lot. With 3,000 in that small a building should be easy. And that should do a lot, a lot to keep a positive attitude on the roster uh, in the locker room. But do uh, I did put up a poll. Um, you can find it pinned to my uh, Twitter profile uh, for the week. It'll go up. Uh, it went up on Sunday. It'll be up for about three days. Uh, vote in that. We'll try and toss it into the feed or into the description for the show. Uh, but as always, you can find me at Puck Sage. Um, where do we want to talk about the blues? Oh, <laughs> uh, St. Louis. Uh, well, they don't have David Perron anymore. <sighs> they do not, in fact, have David Perron. Um, at least not until the trade deadline. Um, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm with the St. Louis blues. I'm at a loss. Uh, they're not going to have enough money to sign Ryan O'Reilly. Does Ryan O'Reilly even want to sign there going forward? He's got his cup. 
the two the they they've had what two new signings you were telling me that I completely missed. I, I, they were fairly quiet signings given the amount of money and the full uh, eight years. Both Robert Thomas and Jordan Kiru were signed to eight years for eight point one two five per year. Um, their their on ice production has been just about identical. Uh, Robert Thomas has played a few more minutes per night, but only produced uh, a small amount more. Um, Jordan Kiru over the last three years has more goals. Um, has 12 more goals, and uh, Thomas has, what is that, uh, 24 more assists. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the the money that they're paying Cairo and Robert Thomas is just off the ch- – at best, I would have put them at $6 million per. Assuming you could get them to sign for that. I – but you're overextending yourself. Yes, Ryan O'Reilly, I get it. He's got he's in his last year of his contract at seven and a half mil. He's 31 years old. Ryan O'Reilly is one step below Patrice Bergeron as far as 200 foot players. And by step, I mean like not a big step. That's that I don't disagree with you in any way there. And Tarasenko, I don't. I, I, Tarasenko, I, I'm still. I don't know about Tarasenko. I did. Well, Tarasenko is finally healthy after three shoulder surgeries that literally did nothing to help him. I understand that. And, and last season, last season he showed he had for him to put together 34 goals, 48 assists. I mean, better than a point per game in the regular season, and then to put up nine points in 12 playoff games. He came to play. I like. Uh, I still consider that one of the two biggest misses of the off season of last off season was no anybody. one picking him up. Yeah, I d- I didn't understand that either. Was that they just let him sit out there? Everybody, I think, was scared off by the surgery, scared off by what was he going to be like coming back. And I, well, for me, I think that I still think that Seattle should have nabbed him in the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sat there and we watched the expansion draft and the two of us were, or I was at least agog. I was baffled. Um, because he was available and I wanted, wasn't, was, I, am I wrong in, is my memory wrong or was Eichel not available in that draft too? Uh, I don't think Eichel was available in that draft. I don't think Eichel was left dangling. I mean, could you even dangle him being injured like he was? But, the, I mean, the point is that you, you've got two guys who aren't exactly Oh, I mean, yes, Ryan O'Reilly has been playing for a long time. Tarasenko had the shoulder surgery. They're 31 and 30, respectively. They're not old by any stretch. They're older, they're veterans, but they're not old. You've just given Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, who are just getting into their second contracts, and you've given them $6 million raises, or five, 
point something million dollar. I think that they would have been better served going around six, six and a half for the two of them. I think that they overpaid. I don't think they would have signed them. I don't think they would. I don't think either guy would have signed those contracts. And it's nice that they have a very high opinion of themselves, and and that's what a good agent will do is is sell the player. I just I think that they I think that it's an overpayment of the players still on the team. Yes, they are third and fourth in points produced over the last three years. Okay, but if you, as, as we're seeing in Edmonton, and yes, they made the playoffs last year before anybody starts arguing with me about that. But as we've seen in Edmonton, overpaying a guy puts you in a situation where you can't bring in supporting cast around them. Evander and no, Kane is and, kind of supporting cast? And no, I'm, and Evander Kane is now getting paid, but did they not have to let people go in order to fit him in? That happens everywhere. Some go in, someone comes in, someone leaves. There, that's what happens with a fixed roster. But if but if you don't have other players that people want, I mean, who on this team? Where Braden Shen? Maybe he's also thirty-one. Buknevich, they're not going to get rid of him. He's one of their top four, according to another article I wrote. He's one of the top four best contracts on the team. So they're not going to send him anywhere at only 5.8 per. In order to move players, you have to have players that people want. I understand that. But, I mean, both guys are going to come in under 9% of the cap hit uh, when their contracts taken go into effect next season. The cap is, by all accounts, going to go up in 2024. Have so they'll probably any? be back to about seven and a half percent uh have we seen any evidence of, of, that, of it of it definitely going i mean i haven't seen any numbers yet so as far as i know just returning to the 82 game schedule ought to be enough um because the arena is the arenas are filling up wait um, i know where the money's coming from it's coming from the patches they're putting on the year on the jerseys you're not wrong that that's part of it uh but there's also the difference between the ESPN deal and the NB and, and the NBC deal. Um, uh, I think that it, it, from all anyways, from all, all indications that I've seen over the last you know six or eight months, so I don't have every article under my hand. It's probably going to go up pretty noticeably. Um, I think I heard. I think that was said on one of the TV shows I was watching, and I don't remember whether it was ESPN or something on the NHL network. Um, when those contracts kick in, they're probably going to be second, first and second year of the contract. They're probably going to be around 7.5%. So effectively, what the same sort of cap hit as Buchnevich has now. Okay. And younger players. I don't have a problem with it. Okay. Could you pay them less? Maybe. Are you if you the question is always if you don't pay them and they won't sign, how are you replacing? Who is trading for as effective players that you're going to be able to sign at the same amount of money or less? 
I, I mean, didn't I didn't generate a list of replacement players. No, I can't honestly say that I have. I just I. Okay, here's and but, there's been endless speculation about whether Pasternak is going to get extended or not. You think that they're both being overpaid by two or three million? Eh, a couple of mil. Would you trade million and a million and a half to two? Yeah. Would you trade the two of them? For David Pasternak. The on either two of them? No, because you're bringing in way too much money for... Pasta's, Pasta's not going to get $16 million a year. Probably no. Pasta's at what, $6 million per right now? He signed a six-year $64 million. He's probably going to get a raise up into the nines, eight and a half to nine. But if you think that they're that they're really only you were saying six or so as a maximum, uh, if you yeah. really think that they're only only five and a half six million dollar players, that's eleven or twelve million dollars. Okay. You find, assume assume that you before the contracts were signed that you could trade the two of them straight up for David Pasternak, and you know you're taking back. Actually, you I don't know, know what? Craig Smith. If, you know what? Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo um, at $6 million per, trading them for Pasternak. Uh, hold on. I'm confirming my choice here. Confirming my choice. Do, 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 do. Yes, and he's got 6.7 mil, so he's probably going to I might do it only because, hello, the Bruins don't draft right-wingers. I might do it simply because I think that and I can Kairou has probably lines. been better in the playoffs than, than Pasternak. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I, actually, yeah, in the playoffs, I'd have to agree. Yeah, Pasternak. He had six points in seven playoff games last season. He had 15 points in 11 games the year before. He had 10 points in 10 games in 2019-20. Okay. He had 19 points in 24 games Chris, in 18-19. When have you ever looked at a playoff game for the Boston Bruins in the David Pasternak era mm-hmm. and said, wow, David Pasternak took over that game and he's the only reason they won it? For me, no, the answer he, is never. No, he hasn't given me he hasn't given me that Milan Lucic moment. He hasn't like you can make you can make that statement about Brad Marchand, you can make it about David Krejci, you can make it about Patrice Bergeron, you can make it you can make it about Tori Krug while he was still here. Um obviously you could make it about Zidane Ochara, you could have made it about Tim Thomas while he was still here. Um, you could make it about, uh, I mean, there were games where Andy Ference was flipping everywhere. There were games when, but, the, uh, but there, there were games people, where Chris Kelly was flipping everywhere. I agree with that, but there are people who are going to say, look at the numbers. It's not me. Look, tell me he's not a playoff performer. I, I will go through the numbers and I will, I'm willing to bet you that a lot of those were tack on goals, empty net goals at the end of games. And not, not game-winning goals, not go-ahead goals, not uh, not the first start of a comeback. Um, 
I don't hate David Pasternak before people start uh, foaming at the mouth at me. And again, you can always find me at Puck Sage on Twitter. It's okay. Um, but I'm not enthused about the level of game control he exerts as a playoff player. 74 points in 70 playoff games. He's a plus. He's got a positive plus minus at at, at a whopping plus four, but still thirty plus thirty minute thirty penalty minutes in the playoff. I mean, I'm not trying to make the argument that he is the emotional leader, and that this is the guy who's gonna take charge. He I haven't seen him do that. But you're going to have people that are going to argue that numbers wise, he is a playoff performer. I mean, not that I'm comparing these two guys at all, but Rick Nash, number one overall pick, certainly not a playoff performer. Sean Corelli is a better playoff performer than Rick Nash. So Rick Nash really doesn't ever need to be discussed again. (laughs) Ever. Fair enough. Um. I, I, yes, I would make the deal because two, getting two right wings, I, I, they both play a, a, a position that the Bruins seem to have an allergy to. I don't understand why. I, I, I don't, I have not grasped that concept yet, but I don't know. I just, I, I'm, to me, I think if they were 26, two more years in the league, and they were making these same deals and they, and the numbers were trending upward, I, I, I think I'm, I think my hesitation is just that I haven't seen enough of them to warrant that much of a raise. I understand that they, they're going to get paid. I understand that they're talented players. I just haven't seen enough of them. And, oh, by the way, Robert Thomas, I still don't think is, is – gotten over the fact that Tory Krug ran him over. Well, he doesn't have to worry about that now since Tory's on the same team. This is true. And they don't have David Perron on the team, so... That's certainly going to affect the chemistry. Because David Perron plays his best when he's wearing a St. Louis Blues jersey. Um, I think we've covered just about everything, but you did have that one uh, incredibly important story uh, about the All-Star game that I definitely wanted to talk about today. Oh, actually, before we do, uh, make of it what you will. Shane Doan has taken a step back from the Coyotes. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Supposedly, it's to spend time with his family, which includes uh, his oldest son, who has been drafted by the Yotes. Um, But he says he doesn't want it to reflect negatively on the organization. Um, Make of it what you will. I'm just concerned because he specifically states in the article that he wants the arena bid to be successful for hockey's long-term future in the Valley. Why, I mean, of all the things to say, you could have just ended the statement with, I want to spend more time with my family. I'm taking a step back from day-to-day operations, whatever. But to specifically state that 
you want the arena bid to be successful. Um, there's more here than. Yeah, there's, I mean, there, there, there's certainly smoke. I don't want to say whether smoke, there's fire, but I just did. Um, there's something here, and I hope that Shane is, I hope that everything's okay with Shane. Uh, absolutely. Um, although how he could possibly look worse than a billionaire who's not paying his bills just because, um, I don't know. Mm. Um, uh, Fabian Lysel. Uh, nearly forgot to talk about him because there's so much going on compared to just two weeks ago uh, in the NHL. Uh, article from, of course, The Athletic. Uh, they stole all the good writers. They legitimately stole a very, very high percentage of the good writers. <laughs> um, Fabian Lassell is expected by his Vancouver Giants coach uh, to not be back in the WHL. He thinks he's one and done there. Mm -hmm. uh, this article is, of course, by Pluto Shinzawa, formerly of Boston Globe and Boston.com. I, I, uh, I think he's been a better writer since going to the Athletic. <laughs> I don't disagree. I think that Fluto in his first three or four years uh, doing hockey for the Globe was really good. His last few years doing hockey for the Globe, um, I was markedly less impressed. Uh, but the the different quotes in this article are are pretty they're pretty impressive uh, from. One of the ones that sticks out, uh, fabulous kid that loves hockey. It shows in how he plays. That's Ryan uh, Moganel, uh, the Providence coach. Yeah, Ryan, uh, I think it's pronounced Mujanel, but Mujanel, you're right. Um, his skill obviously sets him apart from some of his peers. For him, I think it's a great opportunity to come in and have a measuring stick with some NHL guys. I think this tournament's going to be a great thing for him to to watch the puck go in the net and get some touches. Um, Same quote I was going to use. The most terrifying and disturbing quote of this article, uh, which is in no way wrong, unfortunately, mm -hmm. is from uh, Fluto himself. You could argue that Lysel is the most dynamic forward the Bruins have drafted since they tabbed David Pasternak uh, at number 25 in 2014. The comparison is easy to make. Right wing, Swedish experience, loads of pace and skill. And it's the first half of that that's the really scary part because I spend as much time looking at Bruins prospects as 98.5% of the hockey universe. I can't find anything wrong with that statement. Can but you that, find but that's, a, but that's actually the problem. It's 100% the problem. If we uh, the fact that we the fact that they went seven years. Seven years is an eternity to go without getting a flashy quality uh, right, NHL right, right wing right wing. I don't understand. Again, like I, I reiterate, I don't understand what their allergy is with right wingers. I don't get it because you look at let's look at some of the players drafted in the year uh, in 2020. Mason Lowry, defenseman, 
Trevor Kuntar. I like Trevor Kuntar. I like Trevor. Not, not at Pasternak's level. Not, not an all-star. Not even a sure. It's arguable that he's not even a sure NHL player. He's still at Boston jump ba- College. Jump backwards. Uh, John Beecher. He was drafted in 2019. A lot of people are saying he's still one, two, maybe even three years away from the NHL. Quinn Olson. Anyone who's listened to this show, particularly during uh, the offseason, knows that I think a lot of Quinn Olson's skill. Yep. But, again, drafted in 2019 in the third round, nowhere near the NHL. Um, And then you go back to Jacob Loco in 2018. He's apparently going to be on a line with Fabian Lysel at the... uh, Correct. At the tournament. Curtis Hall, who I think is a very legitimate shot at a uh, at a bottom six role someday. Go back another year, Jack Studnika. We've gotten to see him play. Um, I think he's got the tools to be an NHL player. Kind of. Do I think that he's flashy? No. At this point, no. Um, it's certainly not going to be Cedric Paré. Um, probably, uh, we've seen Trent Frederick play. I mean, his 137 pims and 119 games. Uh, Kulov is a possibility. Not a draft seen, pick, though. Not a draft pick. You're right. I haven't seen enough of him, but yeah, he's not a draft pick. That's a good point. Unikopinen, again, 2016 pick. hasn't hasn't even touched the NHL yet. Oscar Steen, I like him. Oscar. He might do well in the NHL, but he's probably not at that same level. No. And then the first draft after the after the Pasternak pick, which probably led to some of oh, the goodness. confidence in drafting in 2015. We wanted to I like Jake DeBrusque a lot. I think that people got a little too down on him in his blip ear. But then you have Zach Senishin. He's with Ottawa now, I think. Um, on him too. And JFK. Ah, Bergeron 2.0. That's what we were told. <laughs> That's what we were told. Bergeron 2.0 out of BU. Spent one year at BU and then disappeared. Wait, no, uh, I think he played a hand. I think he had a cup of coffee in the NHL. And after that is Jesse Gabriel, Cameron Hughes, two NHL games, no points, and Jack Becker. Uh, I mean, Ryan Donato was drafted, technically speaking. Ryan Donato and Danton Heinen and Anders Bjork were all drafted after David Pasternak. Wait, wait, wait. Not here, not here, not here. Yep, that's correct. Partly because of last coach, last coach, last coach. Yes. Donato, Seattle, uh, Heinen, Pittsburgh, and who was the other one? Bjork, Buffalo. Yep. We're trading away the talent here, people. <laughs> Granted, none of them are going to be like 30 goal scorers in the NHL. I don't think that's any of their game. Heinen could be, or at least I thought he was capable of it. Well, Hacken got to 18 goals last season. So a 20-goal season, 25-goal season, I don't think that's even a question. 
well, 25 might end up being a stretch, but 20, that's that's just one better week. That's legitimately getting the getting the puck a quarter of an inch closer to the center of the net uh, on the, on two of those shots instead of going off the post goes in. Ryan Donato, um, career year, seventy four games, thirty one points. Ryan De- Ryan Donato, I have, I don't think the ceiling is as high as we all hoped. I think no, the, I agree, but I think that the name, the name probably got him drafted around early. And I agree, but in Seattle, where there's not as much pressure, he actually performed. In fairness, there's also not as much talent, <laughs> so they had to put someone on the ice, and it mostly didn't matter who. Okay, but uh, it, to to just put a bow on this. Michael Dick, his head coach in Vancouver with the Giants, I agree with him. I think that his days in Vancouver are done. Uh, I also believe that he's probably going to be starting this season in Providence. As much as I'd love to see him in a Boston uniform, I think they're going to want him to get as much ice time as they can. And I don't think that that's going to happen if he's playing with the big club. Because there's too many veteran, and Fluto mentions it in the article, there's just too many veteran big contracts ahead of him unless they can move a Felino or, or a Craig Smith or... Or there's injuries. Let's face it, some of these guys are not young anymore. Right. And it would not surprise me if one or two of them are... Uh, have what uh, Andy Ferentz used to refer to as an icky groin coming out of camp or <laughs> some other injury. Well, he could also have uh, uniform malfunctions. So Those are terrible. Like Equipment, equipment malfunctions? Yeah. E- equipment malfunction, yeah. Uh, that, would be, that would be so very bad. Very, very bad. Speaking of malfunctions... Can I can I can I talk about it now, please, please, please? Oh, the All Star thing! Oh my God! Go <laughs> for it! Dive in, dive in real quick. <laughs> All right. So I'm digging around. I find this article about the NHL All Star Game, which is scheduled to be in played February 4th in Sunrise, <sighs> Sunrise Florida, home of the Florida Panthers. Now that's not the news. The news is that the NHL is planning on making somewhat of a splash, and they're considering the idea of bringing local flavor to the game by bringing in alligators. Found an article by Kevin Harris uh, at The Comeback, where he says, yes, alligators. According to Bleacher Report Open Ice, the NHL is considering using alligators in one of the events during the 2023 NHL All-Star Game festivities. Um, the reaction to this has been... Hilarious. Yes, I don't... I was trying to think of a better word, but hilarious is, is pretty much it. They're looking for ways to Actually, include alligators in the All-Star Outdoor event in Florida. I think the most important word about this isn't hilarious. 
it's engagement. And for that, I give the NHL credit for at least trying something interesting and new that people can talk about. I mean, I do, of course, want to understand how Gary Benton is going to explain this to his daughter. Uh, but the sheer comments on Kevin's article, oh, like, absolutely brilliant. Some of these people should probably be hosting award shows ahead of the people that are actually hired. Maybe none of them will actually be slapped. Right. Um, but yes, the, the article is, is great and I haven't seen it anywhere else. Um, I didn't necessarily go looking for alligators at the NHL all-star game. I wasn't looking either. It just, <laughs> the, the headline caught my attention that said insane. And, and to quote, the title of the article is, NHL world reacts to insane all-star game alligators plan. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that and immediately I had to click on that. <laughs> if they clickbait or not, I had to click on that. And then some of these, some of these Twitter posts that he lists, that he shows in there. I mean, obviously my favorite one, we discussed this pre-show. My favorite one is, I don't like where this new method for compliance buyouts is going. <laughs> like, legit, I love the replies in this one. Um, Kevin deserves a round of applause for grabbing good content and just sharing it with the world. Because the story by itself that they're going to do something out of the ordinary, I mean, the NHL doing something out of the ordinary uh, is shocking all by itself. Yeah. But just the fact that it's gotten a strong reaction that people are genuinely amused by about, about G dang time. I've said for almost my entire life that the thing that most holds the NHL back is their inability to market. Is this the best marketing idea ever? Mm, Probably not. This guy, Dave Dufour, who actually works, he's a host and producer at The Athletic. Uh, he's a program lead scouting video and analytics at Sports Biz Class. Uh, he writes, I mean, Gator in the penalty box seems obvious to me. And then we get another one that says, surely on, surely on icing-based face-offs, drop the puck, offending team goes against the Gator. See what happens. Now, I love that one, except for the fact that they don't have icings in an all-star game anymore because we just need to keep the offense going. But I just I I love the reaction. We're always talking about marketing and ways to get people to engage. I just look at my reaction when I saw that headline. Yes, this is infinitely better than gritty. (laughs) Infinitely. I would be inclined to agree. Be interesting to see Gritty up against the the alligator. I, now, I I think that they should probably do like the, one of the first things that came to mind is Brad Marchand wrestling an alligator. I mean, sure, at least a third of the guys in the NHL are going to root for the alligator to win. Uh, tweeted but, out Chara wrestling the alligator. <laughs> well, then the alligator would have no choice, uh, no chance, and uh, people would be screaming animal cruelty, but. You know, if you put Brad Marchand or Tom Wilson uh, in there with it, a lot of the NHL players are going to be really 
really cheering for the for the alligator. At the very least, they'd be torn in their alliances or allegiances. There is that. And that, hockey fans, is where we leave you. Have a marvelous week. Hockey will be back, at least in the preseason form, before our next recording. Don't forget to hit the uh, the poll. Um, is this the year the Oats go in all in on their youth movement? There will be another poll midweek. Um, I look forward to seeing your comments, seeing your tweets, and uh, seeing some hockey. Chris? Don't forget to feed your gator. Absolutely.